Good afternoon and welcome back to the IDA Summit. This event is an initiative by the Architects Diary, sponsored by Insult Pro and Gromic Heating. Our venue is designed by Mantico Designs. Now there will be a panel discussion on urban architecture, urban scenario in 2040. Our moderator for this event is architect Rudraksh Charan. Ms. Architect Rudraksh is the co-founder of the Delhi-based firm 42MM Architecture. As a managing partner, he uses his diverse knowledge and experience to guide the architectural, engineering, and client teams to work together to deliver high successful projects. He has been instrumental in the firm's recent business expansion to new areas. We are honored to have him here. And we have our panelists, architect Amin Nair from ANA Designs. Architect Amin Nair is the CEO and founder of ANA Design Studio Private Limited. He is a well-established Indian architect with more than two decades of international experience in higher performance buildings. In 1995, he graduated from School of Planning and Architecture, Delhi, where he was a part of research conducted on bioclimatic architecture with the Bartlett School of Architecture. Then we have architect Ravi Sharma from Adani International Airport. He is an architect planner with more than 10 years of experience in academics, research, and consultancy in the development sector. He works with the Adani groups in the airport division. As a practicing architect, he has designed various residential and institutional projects. As an educator, he has trained students in habitat planning and design. He believes in transforming lives with the help of design. And then we have architect Kozema Chitalwala from Designers Group. Architect uh, Kozema Chitalwala is a prominent name in the architectural fraternity for over three decades. He established his firm, Designers Group, in 1989. He worked persistently on growing his firm within the hospitality industry. His works include interior design and architecture projects for hotels of all categories and brands. His humble and human personality is a secret to success. A true devourer of Mother Earth, he finds calmness, creativity, and a great source of inspiration in his design philosophy from nature. While outlining astounding hospitality marvels, his hard work and perseverance and strong network over these years have manifested in the designer's group, becoming a leading hospitality design firm in India. And lastly, we have architect Swapnil Patel from SPAP, he is the founder, founding partner of Swapnil Patel and Partners. He is an architect, urban designer, and planner with a background in architecture who graduated magna cum laude from University of California, Berkeley in US. He has over 22 years of professional experience of working for public and private sector on a range of project types, including regional planning, developer-driven master plans, campus planning, mixed-use developments, multi-unit housing, healthcare, and institutional projects all over US, China, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and India. A new urbanist by choice, his expertise includes urban design, placemaking in architecture, and finding opportunities for contextual responses on constrained sites. Under his leadership, the firm has thrice won the prestigious national Hoodco Award for the most innovative township design in India and has delivered master planning and architecture projects since the launch of the firm. 
Today, they will talk about their design ideologies and beliefs which form the core of their form, after which the panel discussion will commence. I would now like to give the floor to architect Rudraksh Chara. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, thank you very much, IADA, for this uh, event and having us. My Raksh Charan, I'm a principal at 42 MM. Uh, so, so I graduated as an architect in 2003 from Sushant from uh, Delhi. And uh, I worked for a couple of years with, uh, with, with the company in Delhi itself and then uh, decided to start my own practice. So uh, I've been a founder member at uh, 42 MM. 42mm, so, so we at 42mm, you know, we're a young bunch of architects. We have two offices now, one in Delhi, one in Gurgaon, about 25-odd uh, people working. We're a, we're a hardcore architectural practice. We also delve uh, in uh, interiors for projects we do architecture for. And also, uh, you know, very recently, about four or five years back, we started to larger projects where, uh, you know, master planning and uh, some level of urban intervention, some some level of, uh, you know, buildings which have a social and a public impact is there. Um, so 42M is broadly a multidisciplinary company. We do, we definitely have a bias towards residential projects. We're doing a lot of residential projects. But uh, but philosophically, uh, we, we like to do all sort of architectural work. Uh, one one key aspect at 42mm is that we uh, we we want to be a, a very diverse company. We do not want to stick to a specific style of architecture or a specific bias of materials or a specific uh, understanding of the context. It's uh, we we try to expand our um, basic knowledge. Uh, of the project by trying to see what we can explore and and uh, that's a very very big challenge because we, we cannot we, we cannot be jack of all trades so obviously that involves a lot of collaboration we need to get a lot of technical consultants on board we need to get a lot of people who can help us in uh, more um, finer and more detailed aspects of what we want to explore in that project so uh, so as a as a portfolio, you will see extremely uh, diverse projects. You know, you'll see uh, luxurious classical embellishments. You'll see uh, raw uh, regionalistic, revivalistic projects. You'll see extremely contextual projects. You'll see extremely, uh, I would say, uh, futuristic kind of projects. So so we we try and explore uh, what what resonates with the project best um, try keeps keeps the mind fresh keeps uh, the basic sense of uh, connect with uh, the newer aspects of design or, or the fresher aspects of design so that's broadly what it is and that's broadly what we are Uh, now I think we can have a brief introduction by Amin Nair. 
I think you have your uh, speaker on mute. Okay, I think you can start. Thank you. Thank you, Gaurav. And thank you, IIDA, for this uh, opportunity. Uh, my name is Amin. I uh, founded and I now direct this company called Irene. Uh, we are a Delhi-based company. And uh, we currently have, uh, or for the last about decade, have had the opportunity of not just working across the country, but also working in other countries as well. So we currently are handling projects uh, across India, uh, some parts of the Middle East and West Africa. Uh, I think our, our uh, firm is characterized by extremely context-driven uh, solution-oriented architecture. And uh, most of our design projects uh, are research-driven. And therefore, we end up having uh, to work usually with buildings that require a high degree of performance. Uh, these would include uh, educational and research campuses. And there are high-fit buildings uh, for modern retail. Um, uh, and uh, since the since the practice sort of took that direction, uh, it also evolved uh, in about 2008-9 from uh, one of India's few A&E companies. So we carry out both the architectural design aspect as well as the engineering of our buildings and the project management in-house. Uh, it's now a team of about 50-odd uh, uh, people across the globe uh, connected with this company. Uh, most of our projects have also been projects that we live with beyond the design stage. Um, a lot of it is based on process industry high-fit buildings which get built over maybe a decade or more. And therefore, there is a body of research which is there to show that if decisions that were taken in 2008-9, how they performed in 2013-14, and then when the next phase came up, what did uh, we improve, etc. Uh, so we've managed LEED certification and GRIHA certification for research buildings and laboratories as well. Uh, which is one of the few things that uh, that we feel very very proud of, uh, and it's a great team of engineers, architects, project managers, civil engineers working together to deliver uh, buildings. Uh, from an urban context, uh, we've done several campuses, and uh, those campuses, some of them are in very sensitive areas like Ladakh, Kargil, um, in some of the disturbed areas of Kashmir. Um, there have been very sensitive um, buildings that have been done on coastal areas of uh, West Africa. In fact, there's a large urban development project currently in progress in Lagos. Um, this is a, a, a classic example of a live work play, uh, uh, live work play concept of, uh, of urban development. And it's in a very interesting city. It's uh, in Lagos, Nigeria, on the lip of the Atlantic Ocean. We have about 400 meters of beachfront uh, to this property. And Lagos is a city which has almost zero public transport or the concept of public space. And it's been a project that's been very well received, uh, wherein um, the entire complex, which includes uh, a large event center, exhibition center, a hotel and a, and a residential high rise that is going to be part of the phase three. Uh, phase two was retail and public spaces and beach development. It has become today arguably uh, Lagos's most visited, uh, most visited public space for families and people, those who live there as well as people who come there. And for for a relatively smaller city like Lagos, uh, they received uh, between 30,000 and 40,000 footfall every week, even during the pandemic period. Pre-pandemic, when the 
when the site had opened, we were receiving about 60 to 70,000 visitors a week. Um, so that's been one of our uh, little experiments with urban design, uh, not very large, but I would like to believe successful. We've got research that shows things that we succeeded in. There is others that shows that we didn't. Um, and hopefully in the phase three, when we build the high rises now, uh, we would be in a position to probably take on um, a lot more challenges and probably be more solution oriented. Uh, we've, the other thing that we've got great experience in, and it's been a great learning experience working with people around the globe, is uh, working in economies that um, have a currency power which is higher than ours, which is largely Middle East, and also currency which is much lower than the Indian rupee. And to be able to optimize design performance, building performance, specification, engineering, to be able to make financial and um, financial sense as well as financial longevity in that currency and in that district, in that area. Um, and that's probably, uh, I mean, one of the biggest harbingers of success and proofs of success is the fact that we've consistently worked in these areas and, and we have repeat customers working with us. Um, so so um, a journey that's halfway through. Uh, hopefully we should still be around and practicing in 2040 as this as this topic says, and, and certainly we'd love to share some ideas that we think uh, would be worthwhile. Thank you very much. So I would like to call upon architect Ravi Sharma to just speak a few words about himself. Thank you. I think your mic is mute. Yeah, thank you. Very good afternoon to all the viewers. Uh, First of all, I would like to thank Architects Diary and IDA Summit for giving me this opportunity to represent my organization here. Uh, uh, thanks to all the respected uh, panelists, seniors, uh, so that I'm sharing this stage uh, with you. So uh, I've been into uh, large-scale architecture, or let's say uh, any urban design or planning thing, uh, equally with the with the small-scale architecture as well. So the idea here was to uh, know and deep dive to understand how the humans actually uh, connect with the buildings and uh, in continuation to that the opportunities have always been with me in a way that i've always one way or the other i've been connected with the open environment all the time so here i'm uh, representing uh, my organization and currently i'm taking care of planning and design for sardar Vallabhai patel international airport Ahmedabad, and uh, possibly looking for other few in the near future so as you all know, uh, representing this uh, uh, the, the, the area here, the Sardar Vallabhbhai Patel International Airport. So it is more of uh, complex things which drive. So I'm just a small team member uh, of the whole this complex system of uh, running, running an airport. So it is not just only about the building, but it is also about how it functions on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, every day is a new day for me. So I'm here to share this idea with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, architect Kozema Chitarwala, could you please take the stage? Thank you. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. And uh, uh, I'm architect Kozema Chitarwala from Designers Group, Mumbai. Um, one, uh, I, my practice has been nearly three decades old. Uh, we started with a very humble practice where we did try to do some architecture and then landed up doing a lot of interiors. Uh, so, I and my partner uh, Sujata then we went along to become a sleeping partner. She became my wife, and um, 
now we are a team of around 50 people based out of mumbai where uh, we are concentrated on certain areas of there uh, so when our practice started we, we were very uh, we we did all kind of work uh, but then uh, nearly 20 years back uh, we got very focused on hospitality because we got the first breakthrough and something which which i had liking towards it from a very initial uh, time of my practice and uh, when we started doing that I, i would say that me and my team both uh, took a very conscious decision that let's get focused on to this particular area of practice and and fortunately today after 20 years we are recognized as one of the niche practices of hospitality recognized by both indian as well as international chains of hotels where we are on the list of preferred architects and designers so we started our hospitality practice with interiors so we have been working and we had forgotten literally forgotten architecture in in that period of around 7 8 years which where our interior practice grew beyond uh, beyond our expectations also so but uh, beyond that uh, when when we realized that there is lot of uh, potential because we understand architecture so well uh, and being an architect you know there is always one kida of architecture which is which is always alive in your body once you have done architecture so i <laughs> we 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 thought that yes we should retrieve our architectural practice and we started doing today uh, we do most of our architecture 95% of our our portfolio is of uh, hospitality and of that uh, whatever architecture we are doing we are only doing hospitality we don't have any other other kind of architecture on our portfolio so but we are very happy to uh, uh, to have that built that practice uh, my practice which is very hospitality oriented is a very small fiber in that complete fabric of urban development uh, but yes it's a very important uh, uh, building public building which which connects lot all caste creed culture everybody comes together and that is one space which which socially binds them uh, that's one fiber which socially binds that fabric of urban development so uh, i i hope i could contribute you with that uh, in in my area of practice uh, in this particular uh, discussions of uh, this particular panel discussion and i hope everybody else is keeping well and we hope to have a good discussion uh to happen in next couple of minutes thank you guys thank architect swapnil patel to come and talk about himself and his form thank you hi um good afternoon to all the viewers um uh, thank you iida for having me over um I'm Swapnil Patil. I'm the founding partner for Swapnil Patil and Partners, and uh, we are based out of Pune. Uh, I would categorize ourselves as more of an urban design, master planning, and architecture firm in that order because that's how we begin our um, existence. Uh, primarily, we started with a lot of work that we were doing in the arena of urban design. Um, we've done. Uh, a pro bono study on the entire pune city uh, smart master plan and uh, uh, worked on whole bunch of campus plans and today we are doing a lot of institutional work uh, but before i begin i think um, 
quite excited with the whole um, um, uh, range of panelists that you all have uh, put together because traditionally what happens in such environment is that it ends up becoming too much of an elite discussion between a bunch of urban designers and planners and you kind of get a very um, uh, uh, academic discourse in that sense. Uh, what my hope here is that, you know, we don't become that elite in our conversation and are able to sort of bring up mainstream ideas to the to the um, audience. Um, just to credentialize myself, uh, I'm, I'm an urban designer. So uh, after finishing my master's, I was working um, uh, from Berkeley. I was working in the San Francisco Bay Area for um, a very long time working on a range of uh, project typologies, you know, so we did a lot of um, a large scale master planning work uh, in San Francisco, Denver, Hawaii, uh, worked on a whole bunch of affordable housing projects, which was a very, very different and unique experience. And I believe, uh, and after that, you know, I was also working in Abu Dhabi, uh, helping the government of Abu Dhabi to create their uh, vision plan 2030. But what that allowed me to do in the process is that, you know, it helped me understand, you know, the DNA block of what creates a good urbanism. And I believe that's what I'm going to be um, uh, talking today uh, is that, you know, one need not have to make really, you know, a grand moves and big planning uh, exercises uh, in order to create a, a good, vibrant public realm. Uh, what is important is that, you know, small surgical interventions which can be achieved at a building level, at an architectural level, which can actually uh, be the determining factor and um, sort of be able to create what we call vibrant urbanism, and that is perhaps the need of the hour. Um, so I think, you know, without further ado, I would like to hand over the mic back because one could just go on and on and on talking about one's work. Uh, I think this forum de deserves that, you know, I mean, we uh, hand over the reins back to you and, you know, we are able to engage in a very exciting conversation and that's what I look forward to. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts. And uh, now I would like to give over the screen to architect Rudraksh Charan so that we can start the panel discussion. Thank you. I think your mic is on mute. Yeah, thank you. Hi, everybody. I hope everybody is super safe in wherever, whatever cities you guys are in. So, um, so the topic for today's discussion broadly is uh, urban scenarios in 2040. Um, I'm just going to read a small extract uh, that, that was um, put in place uh, by IIPA. Um, so there is an obvious impact surpassing all, the, all levels from micro to macro when public buildings are taken into consideration. Given the current scenario, the gist of the topic of the discussion would be where are urban spaces headed in 2040? What are the things which are currently amiss on an urban level, be it an institutional building, 
or an urban incident? And how these spaces will be perceived in 2040? Are the guidelines formed by certain bodies fruitful on ground, or does the entire system need a transformation in order to cater to 90? Can the urban spaces afford to incline towards sustainability? I would like to, I would like, I mean, why, why would, why don't you start with, with a general comment on the... Are you the least qualified guy to, to start off? Uh, it's, it's not about quality. I don't think it's about qualification today. It's All right. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this topic for the last week or so uh, after we received the brief. And, uh, you know, when I look back at things that we enjoyed growing up, whether it was urban or institutional spaces, um, and I tried to sort of take off things that, that mattered. And across all spaces that I enjoyed in an urban setting, the common themes were trees, water, combination of trees and water, um, and those really, really made it. So, so then I looked back at, uh, at energy interventions that happened. So through college at FPA, uh, the canteen used to be the best place to get educated in, not air-conditioned, um, right next to the ring road. And yet, I don't remember ever, ever having a conversation that was disturbed by the by traffic noise, uh, although we were barely 10 meters away from the main category. Um, you know, spaces that I've enjoyed in other other countries, other places, other places um, including uh, the so-called extremes of developed and underdeveloped. So, you know, you talk about uh, places, urban spaces in Dubai, um, and I do believe that some great urban infrastructure work is being done in the Middle East. We're moving away from high energy to pedestrian and so on. Um, and, and also relatively underdeveloped places like Lagos, uh, which has, you know, from a cash standpoint, very little money, but very rich with, uh, in, their, in their culture, in their heritage, in climate. And then I look back at the city that I inhabit, um, Delhi. Um, probably the only urban space that, that is, that really all of us across gender, financial stratification have enjoyed would be the India Gate launch and uh, moving on to the connect place, connect focus. I mean, those are really the urban spaces that you think of when you think of Delhi. I wish Chandni Chak would, would come back. I haven't experienced it. Even from childhood, I remember it to be a very, very congested space. Uh, and the Flora Fountain was remembered as a bus stop, not as a fountain. Uh, and then if I try and put back what I enjoyed in the airport in terms of trees and water, uh, I think if we start planting today, it would in any case be 10 to 12 years before we can really enjoy the shade of those trees. And uh, then I began to question on why did we, we fail? I mean, why does Nehru place not look like anything that we wanted it to be or any of the others that have several examples. And I think that the, the big problem uh, is that we do not have a consensus on how cars need to be parked. And this is very interesting because you dig two to three basements you have a massive RCC structure that goes into the ground in your property, respecting certain artificial boundaries of setback, which have nothing to do with urbanism. And the first casualty is trees, because all you can grow on them are lightweight decorative trees that would never probably give you shape. 
and if we could arrive at an agreement uh, at an urban level saying that you know we're not going to get away from cars all that quickly maybe we would move from from petrochemical driven engines or commercial engines to batteries that we still have for the transport uh, can we at least agree on how we're going to have a design for how we get these vehicles off the road and park them and then create spaces which have plants to take root and water to be managed um, I, I believe that if these two things became a layup method of design and if we manage to engineer the removal of power from roads to parking and parking onto roads in a standard format so you know Swapnil, myself, you, Koima uh, don't need to actually design individual basements with 16 different kinds of ramps and say oh you know mine is better than yours with a standard design you move the car off the road and you insist that your public space has water and food. Um, I believe that in the next 20 to 30 years, the face of the city and the feel of the city will change. So that's my two bits of it. So, so you feel that uh, that the vehicles on the road are actually uh, are actually a very very big problem today in terms of the the urban iconography of the city, uh, especially Delhi. And I, I didn't know you're from Delhi, so I'm also from Delhi. So <laughs> that, that way, but yeah, okay. Well, I wouldn't call it a problem. Uh, I mean, I'm not proud of it, but we have a family, a joint family of 11 people, and there are four vehicles that we want. So therefore, I should be the last guy who's going to stand up and say, oh, you know, we should do away with vehicles. We need them. That's why they're there. And for a middle class family to have four vehicles, there must have been a need. And, and none of them is a Porsche, by the way. So so none of them is an, is an aspirational purchase. Um, I don't think cars are a problem. Um, or, or, well, you know, at an extreme level, they are. But I, I do not think that we have the current wherewithal, or even in the next ten years of our economic cycle, to think that we're going to have a private, a public transport that is so manifest that you would do away. I believe acceptance of our, of our current situation, knowing that there is a population, it is growing, it is younger, it requires vehicles because our urban design has gone wrong at a very drastic level. I mean, this whole idea that there is a commercial zone and there's a residential zone and you need to drive from one to the other is the start of the failure. But it's already happened. I mean, you know, uh, about 14 crores of us live in the city. Uh, so I believe that if we are able to manage it in a sympathetic way, uh, that is a better chance of success than to say, oh, let's all try and figure out a way of, of you know, getting rid of cars in the next five years. I really don't think, and I don't think that's going to happen even in 20 years or 30 years. And I believe that is probably what Sopnil was referring to when he said that let's not try and be to 40,000 foot, let's try and try and get ideas that are actually implemented. So no, I do not believe that cars, I mean, at an extreme level, yes, but I don't think cars are a problem. I think how we manage them and how we demarcate our properties and, and the interface of properties is really where the problem lies. So this is a very fundamental, uh, you know, topic uh, you've, you've picked up. Sopnil, what are your thoughts on this? Trying okay, just trying to figure out this whole mute and mute thing. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's interesting. You know how Amin has put it together, and um, uh, like I said earlier, I think um, when it comes to the whole sensibility of urban design and urbanism, um, there's too much of aura around that. You know, I mean, a typical attitude with urban planning is that oh, it's a planner's job, and you know, it's a public policy thing that we need to sort of um, nail in, you know, in terms of how we 
uh, address our public realm and you know get to a better um, urbanism uh, to me i think it it's really a sensibility that begins you know with every one of us uh, because it affects everybody you know it is not something in the domain of an architect or a master planner um, or, or or an urban planner but it is something that just goes across the, um, uh, the, the, the strata of the society and everybody needs to have a say in the matter. I think that's one of the uh, underpinnings that we have as, as a professional practice as well. And what we learned is that planning cannot be done in isolation. You know, I mean, there cannot be a broad based directive, you know, which says ban automobiles or, you know, I mean, promote XYZ or whatever it is because we are in a democracy and everybody needs to have a say in the matter, you know. So um, we cannot say ban automobiles and public transit, just to give an example. But what we need to do, and, and when I say we, we as in people or government or whoever the powers to be is that we need to provide the choices. I think a good urbanism, a good community, if I may say, is all about choices that wherein, you know, if I get a reliable, robust public transit, I may have a car, but still I prefer to take that provided, you know, it takes me in, in, in a comfortable way from point A to point B. Um, so, you know, the whole, like I said, um, so what that really brings to the fore is this whole issue about, you know, engaging with everybody, you know, in getting a consensus in what needs to happen. Uh, so, as much as this topic, you know, I mean, I was reading the brief and it does say that urban levels at an institutional level, hospitality level uh, or urban inserts, I think to me, it, it is far more fundamental than even that. Because if you look at a good, any, any um, uh, town or village that we might like, uh, and if you look at, try to understand the DNA of it, you know, it is the ordinary houses it is the ordinary buildings that make a good urbanism, what I call everyday architecture or everyday or architecture of housing and public buildings, because that is the basic brick equivalent, the DNA of what forms a good community. Um, whether it is a civic building like a temple or a church or a courthouse or, you know, any of these interventions, yes, they are there, but they become like icons by themselves. So the whole idea of how do we create background buildings and architecture, you know, that will build a sense of strong community is something that that needs to be talked about, that needs to be really encouraged right from our architecture days in our school and curriculum, because still we are trained, you know, to be um, a prima donna, you know, if I may say so, you know, so there's that Harvard road syndrome that is taught into the schools and you know, we all idolize to be wannabe Libeskins and Frank Gehrys and so on and so forth. But I think what really needs to happen is we really need to start talking about what is, you know, uh, a background architecture. And a good example I can give, I mean, since I mean mentioned and I have worked um, uh, in an advisory role in, a, uh, was working in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Um, Dubai, I see as a strong poster child of what happens, you know, when everybody starts to create iconic buildings, um, you know, and nothing against iconic buildings. It's just that, you know, every building by itself, you know, seeks the attention and is Instagrammable, if I have to use it in, in, in current analogy. 
But what that creates is it creates a very disparate and distorted urbanism where every building is an object, an icon by itself. And today, the larger issue that we are grappling with in our country is the same thing. You know that we all create our own individual buildings, but the larger context that needs to bind it together uh, seems to be completely missing. And and one need not really rely on public policies and big guidelines. Yes, they do. I, I'll talk about it separately. They do play a very big role into how we shape up our urbanism. But you know, I mean, something at a campus level that Amin is doing, or something you know at at a individual building level that Kozima might be doing. You know, there's a lot of sensitivity of uh, you know uh, 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 urban design principles that we can integrate into our thought process. At the end of the day, it is all about people. You know, I mean, how we create. Uh, you know, an environment where people come together and, you know, you just have a sense of vibrancy. I think that's what it finally boils down to. You're mute. Rudraksh, you're mute. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, so it's very interesting that you've uh, pointed this out, that uh, Dubai is like a bouquet of Instagrammable buildings. Uh, you know, and uh, and it's created its own morphology, like a like a skyline, which is constantly transforming itself. But uh, but uh, you know, if you look at Dubai and we look at uh, what Amin was telling about maybe Delhi, uh, the the basic fundamentals of uh, urbanism that we see is that you know, like uh, we have we have something like the Central Vista, we have something like the like the North Place, we have something like the seven or eight uh, large forests within the city. We have the five or the seven district centers, and then everything else is plotted development. You know, and uh, and what have we created? I, I feel plotted development is basically just just boundaries. You know, the boundaries of plots which are not communicating with each other. Absolutely. And and the second level of urbanism that you see in uh, satellite cities like uh, Gurgaon is that you have these mega townships that have been given to private developers which are these huge uh, gated uh, large communities that might have great sense of urbanism within themselves but uh, their communication with the city is absolutely missing so uh, uh, what would you be your comments on this uh, ravi what what do you think about that? Ravi, you are mute too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my bad, my bad. So sorry. I just went into the flow the time you took my name. No, on, on a lighter note, it's the first time that the accident is not coming. It's a long I think we should, uh, I don't know if it matters, but I think we should unmute ourselves, each one of us, you know, so that it's a natural organic conversation yeah, that we have. Definitely. Um, and I think that's the, that's the entire point of discussion, no? Yeah, of course, of course, uh, sir. So uh, I vouch for humanity is here. So it, it's been a very interesting subject right from the time when we were in college. So uh, what is happening here that uh, straight away when we are talking about the areas or the buildings, uh, the glass box buildings was uh, Swapnil was talking about. Uh, I call them glass box. So but of course, even if we talk about Dubai, it is much about planning and design rather than architecture, which is missing there. This is what I feel. Of course, you have iconism, you have volumes there. You have good looking buildings where you can have the Instagram hashtags, 
but architecture, what we knew right from the beginning was something different. So, okay, going back to humanities is uh, something that uh, uh, I vouch for humans here that where are these, where are the people who are actually going to use it are considered in this. So particularly if we go with the, you know, the, the, the need of the R right now about 2040, I, I think that technology, uh, how, if we are talking about uh, public spaces for the public and right now V6, uh, V5 are, are the public and we are not into any, uh, you know, a physical conference room or, or a auditorium, but we are happy in our room and uh, we are connected virtually. So technology is the upcoming, you know, a, a parameter for, for such public spaces. Uh, I, I did this somewhere in an article like oh, one or two years back that China is coming up with some hybrid spaces. So, you know, the, the all the all the people who are up with their mobiles in their hand, they have a dedicated lane to walk. And, and the one who are, let's say, the normal human beings have some different public areas for their usage. So this is how the smartness and technology is actually getting into the creation of new public uh, public spaces, uh, ultimately leading to public environment and public building, whatever. So uh, this is how I I look look onto the you know the evolution or or, or the, the futuristic view for mm. for urban design or or planning or you know the spaces for people. So it's very interesting, Ravi, that you you uh, brought up hybrid spaces as an idea, and uh, uh, you know I was I was thinking about this because uh, Kozima specializes in doing uh, uh, hospitality. You know, I, we all call him the king of hotels. No? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Kozima, what do you feel? Uh, hotels as uh, public buildings uh, having. Um, Multivalence having a hybrid sensibility, especially in what is happening today, and uh, you know, uh, being relevant through time. You know, the, the entire uh, sense of using a hotel and the entire program of the hotel itself as a public building is changing. So, and and you've been doing it for like thirty years. So, what do you feel about it? So, Rudraksh, uh, before I address to what you have asked me, in particularly to, to, to the hospitality, I would like to add a little bit uh, to what has been happening, what discussion has been transpiring earlier. So, uh, if you look at any any of the metropolitan's urban urban setup, you find that there is, there is one which are fundamentally required over there, and there is a supporting supporting population which is which is required along with it. Which is leading yeah. to those juga jopadis and other th other environments which are created in each and every metropolitan now mm. urban in in an, in an urban environment. Now this is what has happened is that that becomes a source of revenue and that is what is attracting them here. If in if you look at the current pandemic situation where where our our situations are uh, so green that today we are we can't even sit six feet away from table to table and discuss this we are having it virtual so mm. that human uh, interface is is getting out of this and this is something which is very very uh, uh, something which i at least don't like that that missing of that human interface with each other so i have a, i have a very i i feel that the old school thought of decentralizing everything is a very very essential thing and uh, uh, why it is very essential that if you have something, we can re we can really solve all the problems, automobile problems, 
other things. So there has to be a like what what is called as smart city. We haven't seen any of them growing in last last couple of years, which we have, we have been talking about. But we haven't seen an actual model of it being developed and to a develop to a model to a, an urban level. It is hmm. what is happening is like a get out community communities which are which are probably in 50 acres, 100 acres, which are coming, but they are not actually the right model for the smart cities. Creating 100 residential buildings and two commercial buildings and one shopping mall is not the right right way to put it across. We need to develop all kind of infrastructure over there, and that is that decentralization will help us in a much more bigger way in the future. And it will in such such situation of this pandemic situation, which I keep on feeling that see variations of <laughs> variations of this kind of uh, viruses which are going to keep on coming, and these are going to if we are going to keep on getting into lockdown situation, we will have no life as such. We I think so we are we are killing ourselves by sitting at home. At one point of time, if you think the other way around, we are we are only doing good to the environment, but we are killing ourselves also. So we need to bring in much more better better infrastructure in order to do that. As far as hospitality is concerned, my my strongest feeling is that if we decentralize everything and try and bring some mixed-use environment into into hospitality, it will be a great great thing. Because what is currently mm. happening is, I'll tell you. These buildings are, these projects are all revenue based and mm. the biggest challenge is that the real estate in any urban environment is, is very, very expensive. Apart from real estate, at this point of time, the, the kind of FSI, the rules and regulations which are required, which, which are governing the urban, urban com complete urban planning <coughs> and urban development, they are also very expensive. So probably FSI required, FSI cost is much, much, much more higher than any other place. Now, mm. if we are going to, if if we can can sustain that project, I think so. People are not going to get good environment. What is required is not those five-star luxury hotels. I don't mean to say that that is that is not irrelevant and that is not required. But we require basic fundamental infra infrastructure of hospitality of three and four star, and that is something which which. Today, if you look at the numbers and room nights available in India and in Las Vegas, probably we are equivalent. Probably we might we might be a couple of rooms short, shorter than even Las Vegas. So just try and imagine that is so many huge inventories required. Our our airports are growing. Our infrastructure in terms of connectivity, in terms of uh, in air connectivity, rail connectivity, those road connectivities, they are all improving. And so people are likely to travel. Likely to travel means you need to create uh, more, uh, I think so, more center or urban urban developments, smaller size urban developments all across the India rather than doing one large, concentrating on large metropolitan city. We need to decentralize that. We need to literally decentralize that. And hospitality building, it becomes much more viable if we change the area program from only being a hotel building, if we change it to a mixed-use development because that can give the developer uh, a right approach. He makes money out of it from the real estate development or other developments, and he invests into hotels, which is which is a very because hotel ROIs do not they don't break even for for probably a decade or so for a hmm. decade or so, and that is a very deep pocket investment which is there. Now, if, if somebody is going to do that, if he's not going to make money out of it, it's it's going to be a real big problem. It's a, it's a real big challenge.
so we we need to look into it in in a different perspective rather than just making uh, popping up hotels somewhere near the airports and all those kind of those are essentials essential ones probably i think so ravi himself must be doing couple of them they are handling if he is handling goa then probably there are goa bazaar there are five hotels which are coming in so yeah. so those are essential ones but they are not part airports are not they are attached to urban areas but they are not actually in urban areas most of the airports except but but tell me something so but tell me something if if decentralization if we pick pick decentralization up as a as a as a uniform philosophy then uh, uh, city center the cbd the the iconic uh, downtown the the hierarchy of structure in space where you have a primary congregational space of the city bifurcating into uh, you know secondary spaces bifurcating into tertiary spaces their level of you know isn't 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 it going to become like standard commun communities it is isn't it going to become like uh, like very i don't know uh, sopnal might be able to explain us better in uh, at a urban design guideline level whether uh decentralization like this for a vision of a city or a vision of a city for the future of 20 2040 would be like yeah um you know rudraksh i think um decentralization uh while it appears to be um you know i mean something that one would really talk about uh it based on my um uh, experience it has created more of problems rather than uh, you know solutions uh, and i'll give you an instance for that you know the let's look at the current trend you know we have um is there a way that i can see all of them yeah yeah all of us can see you oh okay you know i mean it's kind of weird just to see, look at your own screen you know it's it's <laughs> we are and that's a reason you know we are social animals you know we like to see people we, yeah, like, we like to see absolutely. absolutely yeah, yeah. 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 just looking it's too tough for narcissists so my complete practice is based on that we are social animals if we don't travel we, i will have exactly no exactly and that's good urbanism that's good urbanism you know not not being narcissist and looking at yourself um but anyway i was i was coming to the whole decentralization thing um now you know i've worked in a lot of communities across in california and you know i mean places where um what is critical for urbanization is density and scale you know if i have to really talk about um the moment you have density it could be in a town it could be in a village and by density i mean it could be buildings it could be public it could be population whatever it is you have a very straightforward definition of you know urban rural and so on so forth um the whole decentralization thing that we keep talking about what that has led to um at least i can say pune mumbai and most of the places is that the housing demand has gone up with rapid urbanization and because the demand has gone up and as you know kozima rightly mentioned the real estate is very expensive developers have got an aggressive and you know they have started acquiring cheaper land on the outskirts uh, where and because of which you have gurugram and you know like all these different things uh, where rampant urbanization is happening now the simple analogy i give is you know when we're traveling uh, and if we have to pack a suitcase you know uh, if we just dump in our clothes there is very little we can pack but if we fold them neatly you know we can get more things in there i'm just dumbing down you know i mean something that i really want to say 
by that nature, the moment we decentralize, what we end up getting is these enclaves, you know, which are spread throughout. And what that means is that you need kilometers of infrastructure in the form of trunk lines, um, you know, I mean, the electrical lines and, you know, the roads, uh, the sidewalks to service and, you know, to be able to um, cater to all these diverse decentralized communities. That leads to traffic congestion, that leads to, you know, one-way commutes. Um, and that is what has happened, you know, in 60s and 70s, when you look at US, when the freeway program was um, sort of unveiled, it created these, you know, like disparate and uh, largely sprawled communities all across US cities. And that started to create the commute hours and so on and so forth. I see a similar trend happening into our communities. And while I understand the temptation to decentralize, I think it is very important what I call to do surgical interventions. You know, you don't you don't perform a surgery with a sword. You know, I mean, you 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 need the scalpels and you need like the small interventions and small equipments to do that. Similarly, you know, if we are let's say in a city in the prime location, even if we have a two or three acre plot, and let's say you know Amin is doing a, a campus there. How does that campus integrate and create, you know, a great vibrant public realm is something that we can concern ourselves with. Because at one end, there is a public policy which will shape the whole debate on urbanism. And, and my, I'm very blunt about it. Unfortunately, we missed that bus. You know, post, you know, independence, there should have been adequate importance which should have been given to the cities and the urbanization which should have been planned. A simple example I'll give is that, you know, look at uh, 1880s Paris. You know, I mean, something that was absolutely degraded with filthy open sewers and whatever happened, it took one Baron Haussmann to, to transform the Paris, you know, in, yeah, lines and, yeah. with all the, you know, I mean, interventions that he could do in 20 years. And, you know, it's the most lovable city that we see today. So it, planning is something that requires really a long term vision you know, a perseverance and a persistence to follow. And I say that is more at a public policy level, you know, at a government level. Where we can make difference, I, we all are fellow professionals here, is that what we can do, you know, to sort of make something that is, you know, just an attractive street or, you know, just a sidewalk or, you know, uh, let's say a retail storefront that we design, you know, where, um, you know, I mean, you could have this alfresco dining and people could sit and enjoy. Uh, so to me, you know, I mean, there will always be a bigger debate um, and we could spend countless hours talking about how the government has failed and it has failed. And I'm not talking about this government, subsequent governments, all of them. You know, I mean, there is a failure because there's very little attention we have paid to that. But at our level, you know, there is lot that we can do, you know, to bring about that vibrancy and better public realm into our arena. For instance, you know, uh, resorts, what Kozima might be designing, I see that as small communities, as small city, you know, in which you see everything, you know, there's, there's a shopping, there's, you know, people living there, how they interact, there are public places and spaces, same with the campuses that Amin might be designing, you know, even mere positioning and placement of buildings, the disposition, how we do that, and how do we create public places and spaces which are of interest, creates a great level of urbanism. Um, so 
you know, I mean, and, and then, you know, once we have these like little enclaves which are really responding well to the needs of people, they can be all weaved and interconnected together to form a larger whole, you know. But I think we cannot shrug off our responsibility. But at the same time, I think there is a lot that also needs to happen on the on the public uh, domain. And my, my personal biggest disappointment is this whole smart city thing. You know, I mean, it's, it's yielded nothing, not a zero. You know, I mean, uh, we, we need to have the cities and communities first not the smart words, you know, forget that smart, dumb, lexicon, to have the fundamentals. Later. you know, we need sidewalks, you know, we need, like he said, trees, you know, we need basic, you know, facilities and amenities and, you know, wonderful, like, I'll give an example of Rome. I mean, if you walk the streets of Rome, not a single tree you will find in the entire Rome, but it's an amazing, amazing urbanism, you know, so what I'm saying is that basic facilities, you know, how we position our buildings, how we create the spaces, that is a level of urban design that can be achieved by us at a professional level. And at a larger level, at a planning level, you know, it's the authorities and the government and public outreach. In fact, my, I'm, I'm very optimistic, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful because with the whole social media and there would be a lot of youngsters at this forum listening to us, I think they need to put their creative skills you know, in, in being the direct critique of the kind of urbanism that exists in and around us. You know, if you see a broken sidewalk or a street without a sidewalk or, you know, some hideous building or something that is happening, you know, just just create an awareness about that. You know, talk about that. Engage with the officials. Tag them. You know, just these little simple things is what can come out of all this, I'm hoping. And, you know, we can start to take those baby steps because if we keep talking about big moves, it's, um, you know, we, we've lost that bus. We've lost that momentum. It, we need to bring that energy back into the whole thing. And each one of us is responsible for that. I mean, I'm sorry, I could just go on and on and on. Right, you know, but right. I'll stop. I like your to the other panelists yeah. as well. But, yeah, but you picked up a very interesting point, which is your... Uh, the surgical intervention, you know, the the opportunity to be able to insert a small public building into an existing fabric, you know. Uh, but but these opportunities, you know, these opportunities are are, are separately spaced but in different scenarios and in different uh, urban settings with different strains and different potentials. But but I was just thinking, like, if if we are if we are to redo the the fabric, if we are looking at the vision of another 20 years, we're looking at 2040 for a city like Mumbai, Delhi, Hyderabad, uh, Pune, uh, and we are looking at these surgical interventions, should they not communicate with each other? Should the surgical interventions in a strategic, strategic way not have an overall vision to be able to achieve something 20 years down the line? Uh, what do you think, Amin? Well, um... Thank you, Arjun. And um, I, I would tend to largely agree with what uh, what Sapnil is proposing that there are things which which are slow-moving policy-related stuff. You know, one of the things that I pointed out. You know, the very idea of setbacks. You know, in an urban environment um, is to begin with a ridiculous idea. I mean, you know, the fact that you need to leave, build a boundary wall, leave some space, and then go on and do whatever it is, it's, it's setting you back from the place where people are walking, you know, this, the cities that uh, that Swapnil uh, spoke about, and closer home, there are places in Goa, 
you know, which are lovely streets because you see people who live there. Look at Jaisalmer; it has no setbacks, but I think it's one of the loveliest places to walk around. But hmm. uh, so, so this this segment that you now have the end of the of the drivable road to your front door. So part of it you directly intervene on, which is the setback, and then what happens in front of your boundary wall to the to where the car is moving. I I believe those are uh, relatively simplified. Uh, from the standpoint of again uh, an agreement and standardization, and I think communication on social media is a, is a great enabler of that. And I'll explain to you how. When we were doing uh, this one particular project in Lagos, there were three other builders on that street. It's about a two-kilometer long street. There were five builders who were working. We could reach out to these architects, uh, sit down over a couple of uh, beers and dinners and stuff like that, and agree on what the boundary wall edge and the side sidewalk each of us would do. So, in terms of basic size, basic height, and transition between the gateways and where people walk, um, you know, we're not sharing pictures, etc. But I love to post them later on. The whole street transformed, and the stuff that we had agreed on on negative spaces, hawkers started coming up over there. Now, these are people who live in the same city, and there's nothing wrong with having hawkers so so long as you provided a place for them, because not everybody is going to sit and eat at, you know, a hard rock cafe or a food. There are guys who need that little, you know, that chai corner, etc. So these are these are relatively easy fixes, and and I believe that if there is communication within our community of designers who are dealing with individual plots at a city level, at a you know at a at a small project level, at a shop front level, like Swetlan said, just the idea of educating our clients that the city is yours and the sidewalk outside belongs to what you are building, and the people who walk across it and stand to stare or enjoy part of your view is also part of your city that you need. And and you know this is something that that uh, the failures are are at not just government level but also human level, where uh, you know this whole idea of it's my boundary wall it needs to be protected. There is this otherization of people within the city. अगर मैं बहुत ऊंची दीवार नहीं बनाऊंगा तो अंदर से आके कोई शीशा तो तोड़ेगा. So you know and it doesn't happen. I mean I don't remember any instance of us reading in the newspaper that people generally walking down the street broke somebody's uh, somebody's shop front window and walked out. So you know these are uh, the, the central fixes are what we have as a as a fabric and the section between the drivable road and the building. I believe if if within the community of architects and designers there's a there's a dialogue with the intention of regionally or city wise saying okay let's let's agree to these five principles and go ahead with all buildings. Within two to three years, you start seeing streets transformed and then replicated. You know I can I can I just uh, please say something here. I'm I'm so delighted to hear the story that you just told Amit. You know, I mean, it is so because that's what urban design is all about. You know, like I keep harping on, we don't have to make it elite. We don't have to make it domain of urban designers alone, like me or whoever they are. You know, it is it is something that is just a basic sensibility, and you know how we become part of the society and the community. I mean, the example you gave is what we call you know tactical urbanism in our technical terms. you know all it required was for three of you four of you to come together over a beer like you said you know just chit chat get everybody on same page and you know just start with a very minimal intervention and that intervention perhaps might serve as a template you know for adjoining buildings on the other side of the street and the moment you get two edges defined you got a street and not a road you know so it is it is something that in a way i mean i'm just like simplifying it oversimplifying it but it can be achieved you know in the simplest possible manner 
if there is a serious intent for that and i'm an architect so i think partly the blame like i say also lies with all of us we are architects uh, including myself because and and what i say when i generalize it is that you know we've been trained throughout our schools and colleges uh, in architecture curriculum you know to do something that will be a stand out you know that is something that is ingrained into our minds and i call like i said howard rourke syndrome you know but whereas you know what amin did was you know just to create a, a nice backdrop a background you know to to uh, to to for the community to come and interact and i think that's what we need i'm i'm worried about the world in which every architect is a zaha hadid or a non uh, foster or libeskin you know that's a dangerous world to live in i'm really really worried about that i would rather live in a world you know where it's just something very simple something very toned down beautiful background and you know you kind of live into that and think about any any city that you might like european cities i spoke about rome paris you know vienna any of these places you know jaisalmer i mean jaipur what is it that appeals to us the fact that you know there is you know buildings that come right up to the edge there's a very strong definition of what is public what is private when you walk along that there is you know i mean shadow the thermal comfort there and suddenly it opens into a chowk or a mohalla you know that whole choreographed movement that one goes through it wasn't done by any planner it just happened very organically but that's because everybody you, you look at jaipur everybody chose to blend into the background you know to create something and i think as an architect that's our struggle you know we've been trained that if i do something that is not iconic i'll fade away i lose the business you know same goes with landscape architects you know that when you engage a landscape architect i haven't seen i mean all i see is you know what i call spaghetti model incident you know i mean it's like curvy linear paths and this and that because maybe if they draw a straight line they will not get paid um, so so that's that's the attitude that you know we've been trained and shaped and i think somewhere that needs to change okay so so swapnil what i so i definitely understand this aspect you know it's it's but but this is also it's also a an intervention at a sensitive level where you where conscious people are collaborating for a more uh, constructive uh, uh, you know consciousness and it's basically healing the uh, the the stresses that have been developed but but what 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 about and a larger vision what about 20 years from now what about uh, the speed at which which the uber individuals lifestyle itself is changing is right. the public space relevant i know i'm i'm questioning this you know uh, uh, the use of the public space the people who use the public space itself do they need it do they do they need the classical notion of the public space the way it was uh, because maybe the public spaces are there but there are no users anymore in terms of how uh, you know life on instagram and how, how life on the phone and how social media is interacting with people across strata and different dimensions through different ways uh, i don't know kozima uh, would you like to comment so i i would uh... i have a i absolutely agree that we need to do the smaller intervention in our urban fabric 
so i would like to set an example where i used to stay earlier in bandra east that street of 1 kilometer that road of 1 kilometer there were six developments which were happening all of them were redevelopment bombay has no public spaces as it is minimal public spaces and at the same time old structure old architecture which are getting more and more taller because of the need similar uh, infrastructure is more crum- crumbling on it but at the same time we all i was on the society side where i we took an initiative understanding architecture uh, being an architect we got all the six redevelopment together and we did that street because it was a very green space earlier also and we have retained 90% of our trees 90% of our trees without and whatever were there that also we got it replanted somewhere in, within this we created lot of lot of those things were done so that is something which is which is very very important and which we all as an architect as a conscious architects we keep on doing it but the problem here is that how long this redevelopment which has happened today because with limited space limited length and width of that fabric uh, urban area how much taller you are going to go more the taller more the infrastructure is is going to lack so my my i do agree that there are problems of of creating that network but some day or other we will have to bite that pill and we will have to say that yes we will have to do this in order to do that it we after after nearly 70 years we have realized that we need lot of connectivity with airlines that why that's why the udan has come that is why today amdavad is being developed there is a new airport in goa which is getting developed there are so many other airports which are getting connected because the the reason of this uh, multi smaller airport b and c level cities have been have have the need has arise because they have realized that we need to start concentrating on those cities where the development could happen the development is not happening everybody wants to come here to mumbai delhi kolkata chennai bangalore why hyderabad why are they not moving to any other second b level city because there is nothing which is sufficient and the biggest one more important thing in order if you look at the vision for, for 2040 i think so the bigger bigger thing is that not only our intervention intervention is very essential and our our inputs are right inputs have to come but today the uh, the policies which are being created in order to for vision 2040 i'm sorry to say is been created more by the politicians and ips and is and all those kind of things and there are no planners where are the planners the planners are missing in that so who is going to who has that capability of visualizing what is going to happen today we are talking about it but we, there is nobody in that 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 panel who is who is planning that policy for 2040 is there is no no planner over there nobody can visualize that the only thing they can visualize is how how deep the pockets are going to become and how 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 the money can be made out of it that is something which we we somebody as young people who are there on this they should need to they need to bring that on social media and they need to talk about it more often and say that boss this is it this is the policy level you would be surprised that most of the time uh, when the corporation decides and redevelops <laughs> development and regulation and uh, rules are being created regional planning is done 
90% of the committee is based out of uh, administrative people and not the planner. So we need to deliberate more. And that's where the policy change has to come today in order to see a better 2040. You know, on a lighter note, I think, um, uh, you know, you're underestimating IAS. They are capable of talking on everything from healthcare to rocket science to you know, city planning to interior design. You know, they, they can talk about they everything. everything. They have a very high intellectual, all respect to them. But ultimately, uh, if there is no competition. But you need professionals on board. You need, you there need, are professionals you on board. Absolutely, absolutely. To be brought, brought, you know, to be brought and, on the board in order and to like you said, you know, if, it is, if it is 2040 that we're talking about, I think all great cities, you know, happen through a long-term strategic vision plan. You know, I mean, I, I worked on city of Portland. I worked on Abu Dhabi's 2040 plan. Uh, we proposed something similar as Kozimas was saying. This is our, you know, uh, Envision Pune 2040. We did a complete nice. program, you know, about the whole thing. In, and it is not a, a word document. It is something which is very pictorial, uh, looking at the entire city, how it can be developed. The, the thing is that, you know, when it comes to the vision, I think what we are missing is, like you rightly said, not only experts, but you need people from all walks of life to comment on yes. it. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, it is not just planners, you need environmentalists, you need what this thing, you know, for instance, um, what are we doing to protect, you know, our agricultural lands? Uh, as Cosima rightly said, are we creating the capacity in tier two, tier three cities where we augment everything right from education, you know, to the job opportunities so that there is no migration of, you know, uh, people from that place to the cities? Because how much can a Mumbai, Pune, or Delhi handle? I mean, and this is where the long-term economic planning needs to be in place, where we need to start investing now, you know, if we have to get the, the fruits of that uh, 20, 30 years from now and create opportunities into smaller cities and towns and those opportunities in the form of job creation, in the form of education. In fact, we are talking about COVID-19 um, uh, more than urbanism, I think this was an opportunity, you know, just to augment our healthcare. Uh, because, you know, it's not just pandemic. Look at the ratio of our healthcare professionals to the population. This yeah. was an amazing opportunity to strengthen that, um, you know, so that not only pandemics, we will be ready for everything and anything and something that is indeed decentralized, you know, at, to the smallest of the village and town and city, we miss that bus again, you know. So there are, there are. I mean, one cannot just like be very simplistic in the notion. I think the government really needs to look at a very long-term view and start to act on it. But I think you know we we function in this five-year setup, right? I mean, when you elect me, all I have to do is ensure what I deliver in the five years. Twenty years is too longer time frame. Nobody is going to remember what I have done, you know. So, so there is also a. a all I could say is like these political compulsions, which limits, you know, the powers to be to think long term and strategically, because the, the results are not going to be seen immediately. What we want is something that can be seen immediately. Yeah, so I understand the, uh, the city de uh, developmental timeline vis-a-vis -vis, uh, political parties tenure is, you know, there's a mismatch between that. But, but can strategic policies not be uh, cyclic. Can it? Can we not put something in rolling motion today 
that has a cascading effect and it cannot be curbed or it cannot be uh, yeah. in a way it it ultimately forces itself to reach somewhere after 15 years or 20 years i don't know uh, ravi would you care to comment yeah so uh, we we do have lots of issue in india if we see like because of the population bundle what we have with us in our backpack uh, and the taxpayers and all this you know the economical uh, calculation is not lhs is equal to rhs so of course it is bound to happen that we'll have some certain issues related to you know the visible uh, development ultimately mm-hmm. uh, quite natural but uh, what i have observed like even i worked on master plans of many indian cities not a cities but b and c and d cities also the small towns as well uh, and what i have observed that uh, even from the previous government uh, there have been many urban renewal schemes and you know uh, i think we are into that transformational phase right now and we are just going through that path of course as uh, swapnil said that we have missed that bus but i think that we still try to catch this bus uh, maybe in uh, let's say late uh, you know the uh, 20s or somewhere in between uh, there are master plans we made for like almost cities be the population of 5000 or let's say if it goes till uh, 1 crore uh, again we are on track but uh, it takes time and we have this revision of all these things uh, if you talk about uh, the master plans what have been done by the government like you know that jnnrm which came previously jawaharlal nehru renewal urban renewal mission so it focused on infrastructure majorly and uh, this time when we had smart cities i don't know how smart it was but the idea was to focus on the beautification of cities rather this is what i have understood i worked on smart cities as well on the same time and on and this this and and they were smart enough to you know reuse the spaces which were there so what do you what do you what do you call it uh, the adaptive reuse of of the spaces so there were many spaces public buildings available in in lot many cities which were proposed in this uh, government uh, you know initiative so i am not so much you know critic about the government whatever be the government because uh, the the way i started that we have a lot of you know blood in our backpack and the the tax and economics and the people dependent on uh, all five of us as of now is totally different as compared to the people who are in majority who are going to use it Mm-hmm. so the positivity of course is expected in this scenario and of course we need to be patient for uh, for the same because uh, this will take some time uh, and again uh, i will put i'll try to add rudraksha point here that uh, this is a place where all the stakeholder of the society need to you know come up we can uh, we we can come and uh, and we can definitely make some changes uh, privatization of course is one more thing uh so we are having some visible changes in terms of experience and uh, and many other things but i don't know much about the public spaces that how uh, we can actually you know uh, take privatization and have good public spaces like on city levels not 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 for the let's say regional for example in apple but you know for for a smaller sense because of course as sir said earlier uh, that revenues and the economic balance of such you know projects does matter in this way Uh, so these these can be few takeaways but of course we should not you know lose faith the way things are going as of now in india ias are good uh, you know intelligent and smart enough uh, even many architects and planners have actually inspired a lot to appear for the upsc exams i know at least four of them <clears throat> uh, i don't know whether they clarified uh, they cleared it or not but uh, the inspiration is there in people uh, and of course uh, the place uh, you know uh, i'm sorry i just lost the uh, i just lost the way in this between um, uh, okay so taking further uh, adding to this uh, 
this is where i was focusing on that we are on track as of now even so, we have uh, so, lost so, so so i like i like the optimism and and i, I and i i hope it is at a broader level it is there uh, and i also understand one very critical aspect that you talk about see five of us and the impact of the end user and the end is uh, you, you know the 80 85% of the people who are brimming the poverty line and uh, and that was one more very interesting aspect you know we're talking about uh, we're talking about 18 years ahead uh, we are looking at uh, maybe the rural becoming the suburban and the suburban becoming the urban and uh, um, and yes. if the rural rural is becoming suburban most of europe is suburban there's nothing rural there anymore so uh, how would it impact the the country we were we were predominantly a ag agrarian um, country post independence and that was the mental, that is a fundamental uh, way of life and we are moving into a more urban setup and our urban centers were were centralized but are increasing in number and there is going to be decentralization and ultimately our rural setups will become suburb suburban uh, setups i mean what well uh... I, I honestly do not think that our uh, villages are going to turn into suburbs, uh, and and uh, I believe that there are uh, already policy interventions that would that would stop that from happening. Okay. So the first thing that is bound to happen is that the number of people who are dependent on agriculture per se for their livelihood will go down. There is no question of small land holdings that we have now being able to sustain anyone. I think. the big problem that happened and this is slightly a problem that happened probably 30 40 years pre to independence while the industrial revolution was happening in europe is that uh, parallel industries that used to run in our uh, in our villages slowly disappeared so you now have a farmer or you become a factory worker in a large factory there is nothing in between i believe that is going to change i mean uh, the way the funding is happening on startups for technology Uh, and by technology i don't mean creating apps for this and that there are there are genuine technological uh, yeah, startups yeah. investors who are there as the small industry comes back you will find that there is there is lesser need for a person to move out of his small farmstead and and into a slum in some city uh if you look at the numbers between last year and this year we have this very shameful um visuals of people with little thailas on their head and kids on their shoulders walking thousands of miles back all of them have not come back i mean we are in the industry you know it every single site that you have today which is open and working is facing a, a labor shortage there is bound to be a differentiation and a shift towards technology on construction also to reduce the number and these people are have not gone back and just sort of decided to become farmers there is something that's going to happen in between and i believe that that's really what is going to allow them to stay over and i think that uh, the other thing that is really important is the kind of communication we put out and i'm going to take just one minute uh, you know we we've mentioned swapna especially has mentioned some of the european cities one of the standard aspects of these european cities is that the private ownership of houses is very small when i say not not from the standard of ownership but for the size of ownership your apartment is 60 square meters 70 square meters the 80 square meters and if you have 100 square meter apartment you like really rich and you spend millions of dollars the reason why you've done that is that the moment you step out of your doorstep there is a usable space and you don't really need to invite people in the last 40 50 60 years it's been the opposite i need a big drawing room it must have a big sofa 
I should be able to invite all my friends home and support because you know what I don't have a place to go out there. So I think these two, if we are able to communicate, if is as a as a professional group, if we bring out this communication that you actually don't need a large venue, you can have it if you can afford it. But for your MP large school, the guy who's your MP who's spending money on quote unquote urban development, send him photographs of what you want: sidewalk, trees, watering points, ability of businesses to open up. And it has happened in South Delhi, like the South Delhi Municipal Corporation, after years of fight, has declared last year. But if you have a house, you can use it for a business by doing a certain amount of conversion. So I've just taken the entire inspector raj out of it. Nobody can walk into your office and say, "Oh, you know, it's a commercial development in a bedroom." So I, I think these are these are communication aspects of our profession where we need to keep talking more and more and more and more till there is a critical mass developer, enough number of youngsters, people, middle-aged guys, sending WhatsApp messages to their MP on the MP large or their local uh, area development scheme funds, saying. The sidewalk is broken. I want a sidewalk. Doesn't exist. I want a sidewalk. Why are you cutting down trees and in under the name of development? I want that tree to stay. Tell me what you're doing. And I and and this communication needs to be very very valid. So so I think there is there is layering of what we need to do, saving the fabric of what we have in urban areas, uh, allowing livelihoods to develop in rural areas, and then also not saying the bhaiya tum ek aur ek dilli banana do, make it better. Um, you know the Chandigarh and the replication of Chandigarh in Punjab and Haryana, famous story. Everybody knows what small town is and these places like etc. But I believe communication at a professional level, really, what we want to communicate—that's the leadership proposition. The communication leadership of what the people should really be aspiring. Hmm. This is a very new, very interesting new dimension that you've added to my understanding. So I, I, I was not aware of how. Uh, there could be an insert of of something uh, in the rural sector apart from it aspiring to become suburb suburban, and it'll be very interesting if by 2040 our rural areas are able to evolve into more evolved rural areas itself. So, so, uh, uh, can I can I add on to this? See, there is there is a new trend which is which is currently being seen. Uh, what we are seeing is there are 30 million people who have been uh, added to the people below the poverty line. There are 30 million people due to this pandemic. Now, and there are a lot of uh, HNIs who have who have started migrating themselves to their second homes, which are in rural locations, and they want to they want to continue. I have seen people who have become. Uh, who are running their businesses for last more than a year from those locations and they have adapted they have they they are and they are doing it very successfully so there is there is there is a great new germ of idea which is which is generating in in the in the urban population also that if somebody else can do it as a at a corporate level why can't an entrepreneur also move in that fashion because everybody is looking for space in urban areas in urban environment you don't have space to move out today we are in lockdown uh, fortunately we as an architect we have some space under the pretext of construction that section whatever is available under lockdown we can go to our sites but uh, otherwise people are there locked in their rooms and not being able to walk hardly go for the groceries and all that's that's something which is Which is as I earlier started skilling ourselves. So uh, I have a feeling that there is 
there might be a lot of positive urban uh, rural development also which might happen in that manner and uh, lots and lots of people also have realized so i know couple of couple of families who have been doing that bolta sab nahi aayega bombay hum hum nahi aa payega bolo kyun to bolo kitna bolo sir wahan pe jaate kheti to kare karega hamara to din saal bhar ka ration to nikal aata hai hamara जो दाल चावल चाहिए हमको घऊ चेवरे चाहिए वो हमको मिल जाते हैं सो दैट इज द काइंड ऑफ अंडरस्टैंडिंग व्हिच देयर अ थॉट प्रोसेस व्हिच इज व्हिच फ्यू ऑफ द पीपल हु हैव माइग्रेटेड बैक फ्रॉम फ्रॉम अर्बन एनवायरनमेंट टू द रूरल एनवायरनमेंट हैव बट आई डोंट आई एम नॉट रियली श्योर हाउ फार इट इज गोइंग टू लास्ट इफ दिस कैन लास्ट फॉर अ फॉर अ लॉन्गर टाइम आई थिंक सो देयर वुड बी अ रिवर्स एंड वी विल सी अ गुड development of agricultural activity also in 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 time to come yes the smaller farmer is is either will have to work for the larger organization or corporates or he will not be able to survive that is something which is which is likely to happen in future uh, apart from that there is one more important thing which is there if you if you currently see in and around probably delhi's and uh, in even in mumbai aapka aapke wahan farm houses pehle wahan actual mein kheti hoti thi aaj shaadiyan ho rahi hai delhi mein hmm hamare mumbai mein jitni bhi so for example you go to navi mumbai navi mumbai there is no more agriculture activity which is happening but if you go to a, a just a just a 5 kilometers ahead to panvel and beyond panvel Uh, you will find there are a lot of agricultural land, but people are not doing it. They are selling it to the urban environment because that's a development which is happening, and they find much more lucrative in that way. So, what is reducing the green belt, which is reducing, they, 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 it will have to get converge. Otherwise, we will have to. The time is not too far out that we will become dependent on, uh, on, on the, uh, on, on the people who are. We will have to start importing. बेसिक फंडामेंटल लवर नीड्स एंड एम्यूनिटीज लाइक गेहूं चावल दाल चावल हमको इंपोर्ट करने पड़ेगा आई वुड लाइक टू ऐड अ स्मॉल थिंग इन दिस वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग या या प्लीज या सो सो दिस पेंडेमिक वाज जस्ट बिकम अ ट्रबल इन पैराडाइज फॉर अर्बनाइजेशन आई वुड से एंड बिफोर दिस द वे वी वर गोइंग by 2040 is like every uh, out of every uh, 10 people on globe six would be living in uh, urban areas and the time when we mm-hmm. take this term urban uh, it is very much responsible for the gdp whatever it produce of course uh, it's uh, the development uh, is very much uh, indirectly proportional to the rural development on same time but uh, as mm-hmm. sir was saying uh, i would like to suggest that we we should have Uh, further innovation in uh, you know the way the agriculture takes place being the primary industry of of our country uh, how how the aspirations for people should you know actually change cause I, I, i was talking to a guy from from a village nearby in rajasthan mm. he do hold a prominent uh, position in his village so socially you know the strength what he have but the aspirations what he and his kids have are very much urban and urban in nature very much modern mm. so this guy is here though he hold a land of uh, 70 uh, 70 acres there for for you know for uh, for farm farming uh, but the aspirations are totally different and here he is a watchman of a building 
so you know the the social role is you know has drastically changed uh, the time he shifted uh, and on the same time when i was talking about the aspiration his sons like to set uh you know outside the mall and you know have that feeling of urban areas what you know the the social feelings what we have the time when you are there in a large city from a village uh so this is a place where you know we we need to have certain innovations you know we need to allow new ideas to take up for development and you know the technique the way farming or the rural areas are actually actually been taken by this time so you know they emerge in a better way so we don't let's just don't call them rural in future this is what i feel but developed rather okay but but ravi uh, what you were talking about this aspect of the farmers sons wanting to sit in front of a mall mall predominantly being a public space and uh, kozima talking about the pandemic we are all in it and uh, you know and presuming that if it is going to be Rudraksh, you are censored. What you are, you are censored. What pandemic? Government is not allowing you to speak now. Is it that guy? Is it that moderator? You are rubbing the wrong side of media. <laughs> It's happening in our lifetime. <laughs> so, so that's why we need we need the physical space. Which we have seen digital digital era to going. to a different level we have seen <laughs> we are more we 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 love our parents also and we love our kids also so much <laughs> so exactly the in between generation <laughs> we, are, we are like an in between generation yeah this this era has actually given that understanding you you would have seen uh, labors and the you know the small contractors flying from villages like approaching the nearby urban centers and flying to the destinations like mumbai and ahmedabad and delhi the construction workers then this was for the first time in history when you know actually uh, the developers have this sense that okay it sounds so good you know that uh, uh, you know this you call it a status or let's say the need of the hour but this was the first time in history when you know Uh, contractors, uh, the labors were flying to their destinations. So, what is the importance? Uh, you know how the pandemic uh, gave different lessons on same time for the for this industry as well. Yeah, it, it, uh, I believe most of the uh, great, uh, good developers have have literally made arrangements for their laborers to come back by road, by train, by even by flight. somebody required yeah that's right you need to fly to fly so yeah. they have they have done that and uh, i i believe uh, so that is what my point is that there is so much of dependency on second level of population which is which is hr and support system that is our support system today uh, most of our maids don't stay in in a good good location but they stay sometimes they all of them stay in a chal or a or a or a jhupdi so the chal is required yeah. we need to create appropriate chals we need to create that infrastructure and i think so the best thing to do is when i'm suggesting that uh, for example i will i will tell you what is it i if, if given an opportunity i would like to move out of bombay if given an opportunity i would like to because i don't meet clients every day in it there is no daily meeting as such and this virtual meetings are has made life easier so i i look at my practice in a very different way i want to move out of bombay and i want to 
take my team whosoever wants to come there will be an office in mumbai there would be somebody somewhere nearby bombay in a remote location where everybody is free it's like a free world you be there there is green spaces all around you you have something which you have never never ever thought about it because i believe when you when you are in that environment there are sometimes you you get some brilliant ideas also you your because you are uncluttered i i feel sometimes i would love to create that practice and i'm looking at envisioning and i'm looking at the direction in next couple of years to do that i i'm seriously doing it i've seriously taken up taken up a lot of farming also because i feel like uh, having land and not doing agriculture activity is also a crime so yeah even if fundamentally if i can grow a little rice for my family i don't mind and giving it sharing it to a friend you you will help to sustainability it's yeah, not make, so making money but using and consuming it in the right manner and then then sharing it with others so it's it's a great feeling as a community probably uh, i i felt i feel that probably i have reached an age where i i i could do that some of the people younger generation would not feel that way but eventually i i feel that there is bolthana apan maradit manto na mati chi od hmm that is the kind of the 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 call of the earth so that's a, that's a love and passion for the earth and and the um, uh, soil which which is which pulls you there so i i i am uh, i'm of a different opinion that our practices also will need to uh, get more uh, more organized in such a fashion we i believe we have wasted i go back to my memories and i feel that i have wasted so many days and days uh, doing uh, uh, coordination meetings with other consultants for for a small 5 minute work 10 15 minutes contribution which i have to make i have gone and travel all the way till dehradun or wherever it is and in the up north or even in nepal and given 15 minutes contribution which i could finish up even with 25 minutes of in my input even 10 minutes more i can do it save money fuel is cost save money is saved everything is becomes little more sustainable so we need to bring a right balance between everything i i don't say today i am I'm, i earlier i felt that uh, the practice would be great uh, if we uh, we could do it virtually but then over a period of time when i realized by the time it was september october i realized that yes drawing coordination documentation of designs yes yet be done uh, on on virtual platform remote location from home working from home environment but design where you require interaction you require those blue sky uh, open uh, environment which is required with the team uh, i felt a little difficult uh, in doing that and our results were not very very great but uh, i think so moment we started doing that we we were more efficient when we started sitting across the table having on a cup of coffee all up around the table and doing things were much more better my apologies everybody i lost my internet at a very very critical time so you were so you something you were planning to speak something which media would have not accepted that is the <laughs> what <reason they> <laughs>
they pushed you out of the conference. <laughs> it brings me back to the the college song that all of us have grown up with as architects, you know, Pink Floyd ka the wall. <laughs> you don't need no mind control. Anyway, please. So I don't know what I missed, guys. Yeah. But a uh, lot of fun. You, I did. <laughs> Super. Um, so, so, so I don't know empirically what we will be able to take away from this talk, but it's been very, very interesting talking to all of you. I, I, our our um, uh, viewers have some questions for us, uh, and um, uh, we, any of you can take the question. Gauri is going to. Uh, Gauri has a list of three, four questions that are that some of our viewers want to ask us. So, please let's take that forward. Gauri. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for this engaging uh, panel discussion. And okay, so the first question is for Mr. Uh, Kozima Chitalwala. What role do you think architects can play in lifting the hospitality industry from the deep hole that they are in and help them recover the money that they have lost or become more profitable once again? So. I, I, I have a, I have a very uh, uh, different view on what this pandemic losses are all about. You know, when, when we started the first lockdown, a uh, couple of properties which we created in in last couple of years and uh, one of the property was rated that is the best revenue in the Asia when we opened up. So I am personally of an opinion that we all are social animals and we cannot live without traveling, without being socializing, without... Is somebody pushing us out? So we can't live without uh, engaging, uh, without social uh, social networking. So. Some, these properties which they good, did good were all on the location, they were all resorts. They were all resorts. So, uh, people who are serious hoteliers, they understand that hospitality is not a short-term game at all. It's a deep pocket kind of a thing. As I told initially also that people, the break-evens of hospitality projects have, have gone all the way up till if you don't do correctly, if you don't do correctly, if you are, if you don't create a project which is apt for that particular location, for that target audience, and you overspend on it, your ROIs cannot come before a decade. It, it, it takes ten years to break even. Wow! So it's a, it's a huge huge length of this. So uh, I'm and I'm very sure people who have made losses in days to come when when our things get better normalized post vaccination i think so they will all recover and this is going to take a big leap and just for people who are feeling disheartened i'm doing several projects we at any given point in time we have at least 20 25 hotels on our board and we are fortunate enough to have the same as on date also of all the projects which were there post first lockdown everybody except one who decided opted to opt opt out of the of the race because they had not even started rest everybody is on 
and people who are serious hospitality guys they are taking this as an opportunity to invest rightly into this particular moment because today they have nothing to lose they are already bleeding they have they want they have they want to invest into it so that that when tomorrow the opportunity is come they are ready for it when is your restaurant opening kozima which restaurant your restaurant my restaurant <laughs> see i i was telling a few days back i was telling somebody our hotelier client of mine and we was all sitting uh, across uh, uh, in a very open environment uh, and we were discussing so i said there are few of them in this complete community we need few king uh, makers so everybody can become a king so i have created more than 200 hotels but i i, I don't think so i'm 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 in a framework to create a hotel of mine <laughs> you you need somebody's kandha to fire it up <laughs> super super but, I, but yeah, I, i have got very, one very glad, using somebody else's shoulder somebody else's gun bullet and shoot at my aim <laughs> super gauri okay uh, so ne- the next question is a general one so you can decide whoever wants to discuss what do you think about cmp we do not have comprehensive mobility plans for each and every city of india like barcelona or copenhagen what may be the guide map i would like to get on this urban transport has been my uh, you know my thing for a long time <coughs> sorry sapna it's been very long time the, the moment no no no, 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 no he decided he's answering the question yeah uh, yeah uh it is very much you know in context what we discussed in past uh, two hour but uh, uh, a mobility plan is something uh, you know it, it is a very big deal uh, as uh, in in indian context actually uh, we should not forget that uh, the cities do have a big scale in india right even if it has a b grade city or c grade city uh, not in that manner uh, and all the european cities you know the cultural adaptation you know this is where the thing starts in uh, transportation specifically like we all have car and it is more of uh, a status symbol so whenever there is a graduate guy the first thing he wants to do is to buy a car <clears throat> even if he before you know if he want to get married he, he need to have a car so this is how you know a social implication is there on transportation mobility plan uh, we missed this bus again chopnel uh and we we started uh, catching this bus uh, let's say somewhere near 2009 and 10 for all you know all the major cities in india so so for, for the idea to have you know the identification of projects the routes and everything for the movement the complication the the com- the market the transportation market in india is very complex you know the understanding of the trip movement from this place to another place and the types of mode what we want to have still we have uh, you know the reach in in any b or c level city in india is again motorable <clears throat> i don't know much about mumbai and delhi that uh, how how long you can drive there but uh, at least if you talk about you know amdavad i would say that uh, you can definitely in 45 minutes you can cross the city like through ring roads and whatever network has been provided by the corporation uh that is that is another meter and again such infrastructure if you talk public transport is a heavy infrastructure so 
we already have it is not like that we don't have any kind of uh, public transportation in cities and mobility plan are under process so it is not like that we don't have any kind of mobility plan in india for any any city so as of now tier 1 tier 2 cities have already covered most of the mobility plans and things are underway we are into you know the identification of alignments of you know the technology what we will use either be metro or drts or you know upscaling the existing uh, municipal corporation transportation systems what we have <clears throat> so gauri can i add to this uh, what ravi is saying see yes. today most of us uh, who travel to new york london hong kong bangkok paris even as much as in china guangzhou and other locations we we never use most of the time we don't use the four wheelers we use public transport the basic fundamental need is that although we are late but yes we need to have it it's never too late according to me even if we can we can get our our public transport in next 10 years one decade we can get them done i think so we are on a very on a big highway big highway because i would more not prefer to use i would prefer to use a metro rather than using my car and waste couple of hours reaching just 20 kilometers just driving to 20 kilometers so it is it's a big big i i think so it's a boom and probably there is an action which is already happening uh, only thing is we need to ensure that things happen in time and uh, time desired by by everybody it's, it should not happen it should not take decades and decades and pandemic has also a reverse impact on public transportation actually uh, uh, it is it is there in news that uh, the car bookings in previous lockdown and even in this wave have been tremendous uh, like even when there was no pandemic and things were normal so now people again the time when we were expecting a more shift from a private vehicle to a, a you know a public uh, transport uh, things are going south again because of this pandemic so here is one more impact on cmp we are in cmp and it is not just only about public transportation it is about many thing it is about walkability it is about you know the overall mobility the accessibility of the city so it is not just only about creating things related to transportation in city and, and india is upon it as of now for the question thank you if i if i could really add to the whole thing you know transportation cannot be viewed in isolation uh, because what i have actually observed working here in pune is that um you know we also have a mobility plan and transportation plan which is developed in isolation without engaging the the planners and the you know city planning itself so you end up getting uh, a very different solution but i think what what needs to happen and perhaps it's a good thing that is happening but we are heavily under invested into transportation public transit um compared to you know some of the other places so for instance um if you look at moscow if you look at london paris all the places you know 1800s they created metro network you know 1880s 1820 and so on so forth so the point is that you know i mean time has come and i'm glad you know like you mentioned ravi that we are investing into the uh, public transit and transportation we also need to create variety of choices you know in doing so it's not going to be just metro right from the feeders you know which take you to metro you know your park and ride facilities transit oriented developments you know there are so many mechanisms walkability all these sort of need to be uh, interwoven together in order to make a, a reliable public transportation network i mean the best example is mumbai mumbai wouldn't function without its suburban rail network you know so it just it's it's not something that can be ignored you know 
So, so nice. this is a very interesting anecdotal anecdotal thing that you know how how things get solved. Um, about ten years back, we was we were in talks with some British companies for some sort of a technical tie-up, and whichever office we would go to, this is 2010-11. Uh, and if you use the washroom, you would find two shower cubicles there. Every office, and they were obviously new. I mean, you you could see that these shower cubicles have been installed in the last couple months. And uh, so the guy we tied up with, I asked him, I said, Tim, what's going on? Why do you guys have these? I'm like, do you pull a lot of all-nighters where people need to come and shower? He said, no. There's a new rule that says that small business owners who have offices need to facilitate their employees to walk. So if they're sweaty when they come into office, you need to provide a, a shower space where they can wow. shower and then go. Very, very, very good. 20,000 uh, people. Hmm. 20,000, that's all it takes, right? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You suddenly turn this around to somebody can cycle, somebody can walk, somebody can jog. And there's a cultural shift in the last 10 years where you see people with office backpacks jogging at home or, or jogging in the morning because they know that they can get to the office 10 minutes early, have a shower and get to the office. So, so everything is not big. I think this, these little yeah. little small ideas can, can have massive impact. I mean, if we had great roads, I would have started doing it Long, long back. We walking. don't have footpaths. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Just, just the side. I'm, 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 exactly. I'm not taking away from the challenges. I'm merely saying that, you know, Metro is so but many hundred people. I, I, I thought about it 10, 10 years back. 10,000 rupees shower. I would like to walk back to office or at least walk back from office. <laughs> Stroll back, yeah. Walkable streets, so yes. And I, the challenges are there, but you know, these are these are little creative ideas that can that can go a long way. Oh, but it's a good idea. Good idea. Super. So Gauri, any more questions or are we done? So guys, I think broadly this was it. We've been chatting for the past one hour and fifty-three minutes. It's been a great session. So uh, thank you very much, all of you. Um, Gauri, do we have another question? Thank you, Rudraksh. You've been you've really stirred this very well. I must compliment you. Thank you really very much. Gauri, thank you, Ravi. Thank Gauri? you, Swapnil. So, Gauri, do we have another you... question? You are Gauri, you are mute. Gauri, you are mute. Sorry. Uh, I have one more question. Oh, you do? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, there is this question. Do planners, architects, design city considering history and heritage buildings of the city as among prime focus while designing city for future 2040. Prime focus, I cannot say, but I think Swapnil, would you want to take it? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Okay. Uh, Gauri, uh, can you so, repeat the question? Yeah. So considering the history and heritage buildings of the city, do planners and architects design, you know, using this as the prime focus while designing cities for the future, like 2040? Of course, I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's a very uh, obvious answer that, you know, you cannot ignore your um, uh, heritage, you know, and you cannot ignore your past to build your future. So, I mean, my answer would be that, and I'm, my hope is that everyone would be referring to that past, but it's... Uh, at the same time, that doesn't mean that, you know, one needs to sort of like, you know, start mimicking that and, you know, just just like start copying that. Um, I think what is important is to, 
understand the planning principles, understand the key takeaways from that. And when you replicate an urban environment or you try to create a new one, you rely on those um, the, the, the working principles and, and try to apply those lessons in creating the new, new uh, intervention. But yes, I mean, definitely I am of the opinion and very strong opinion that as a planner, you've got to know your history incredibly well. You know, it's only also, then you yeah, can... Also, uh, uh, and also, otherwise, all the cities will start looking the same. Right. Yes, exactly. If we have a few more minutes for one more question. So, Sorry, um, yeah, there's one more question if you have a few more minutes. It's all right. Go ahead. We wanted to ask each panelist to give their two cents on what they feel about the Central Vista project and its impact on the present urban fabric of Central Delhi. No comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That's my response. No comments. I, I personally feel I personally feel it, it, it should have been uh, handled more sensitively. There should have been more uh, dialogue and uh, definitely much more uh, uh, involvement of the public. I think I think this project is being done in a hurry. We should you should give it you should give it at least four more years, five more years, just in the planning. We are building something which is going to stay there for two hundred years. There's no reason to hurry. You know, since Amin was given a lot of anecdotes, I remembered one, Andrew Rakshit sort of uh, resonates with what you said. Um, when I was working um, in, in, in California, there's a public approval process that every project has to go through. And, you know, I mean, I had from India, when you go there, you're not kind of used to the whole system. And, you know, there was a single family home that was being designed and it was subjected to a full-blown public review system where, you know, the entire community had showed up, you know, for what was supposed to be a 3,000, 4,000 square foot house just because it was blocking a particular view or it was it had a different sort of aesthetics, whatever it is. And you will not believe for a 9 o'clock meeting at night, you know, folks had come in and they were fighting passionately tooth and nail, you know, uh, and, and as an architect, you had to defend what you were doing. Uh, and eventually the project got through. But I think the whole engagement and the public participation and the participatory process is so important unless if you're building somewhere in Himalayas or, you know, in, in your distant farm, yeah, away, the whole civilization. I understand that. But um, uh, not only Central Vista, what I'm coming to is any project any project needs to be scrutinized when it's an urban scale project, and it needs to undergo a very strong, robust public review system. Uh, you like it or not, you know, I mean, as a planner, it's going to challenge me. I might not like what a, a common man might be coming up with, but you have to listen, engage, and find a solution. I, it, the, it, you just cannot, I mean, there cannot be inside. You have to engage, yes, you have to engage. It's very, very important. It's, uh, oh, it's happening. It's under construction it's and it's under lockdown as well. So, yeah, that is what it is. Okay, thank you so much. I think uh, this was the last question, and now we are done. Okay. Thank you so much for coming here.
thank you everybody uh, nice nice chatting everybody you know let's um, uh, let's keep the dialogue going and hope our paths cross sometime in future sure definitely Absolutely. and i would like to thank idea uh, for being very liberal in giving this panel discussion time because i have been doing so many panel discussion and everybody finishes up in by the time you start you have ended so this this is something where But, we had i think a fair discussion I know, but this I know. is urban design. This is not interior design. You need time for this. No, no, even I know. But you know, were, were <laughs> one thing. One thing. That's the reason I, I decided not to comment. Sensitive, sensitive panel discussions. But one thing, one thing that this COVID really brought, brought to the forefront is two facts. One is there's no replacement to the charm of being in front of live audience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you just cannot replace that experience. And second yeah. important thing, you know, I mean, the virtual world, I'm done with it. You know, I I yeah. want to be, I want to see people in flesh and blood, and I want to be able to talk and engage. I think that's this is this is I, I, and this I, I, is where we are heading. We we are heading there only. So in twenty forty, we all will be like this. So we need some hybrid spaces. uh now i would uh, start by saying like before we start uh, the next session i would like to remind you to download the rhino software for a better understanding during the workshop which will be happening in the auditorium too also please take this opportunity to converse with each other via network lounge and i would also like to uh, tell you that please free uh, please be free to tag us in your instagram posts with ida summit our architects diary.in thank you so much and we will see you later